Hello and welcome to the Thriving Three Counties podcast with me, Dan Barker. Conversations with inspiring business people throughout the three counties of Herefordshire, Worcestershire and Gloucestershire. And now it's time for today's episode. I hope you enjoy the show. Okay, hello and welcome to the Thriving Three Counties podcast. I'm Dan Barker and I'm here in the studio with today's guest. He's got a long and varied career in uh, all sorts of things from retail through to race cars, clothing, consulting, bit of photography thrown in there as well for good measure and uh, and all sorts. So uh, really looking forward to jumping into this one. And he is Jeremy Aston Phillips. How are you doing, Jeremy? I'm doing really well, Dan. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks very much for coming in and doing this. Um, looking forward to having a chat. We we met, what, a couple of years ago? It probably? must have been, yeah, a couple of years ago. A couple of years was, ago. Yeah, when I'd set up the charities. So, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that was what, another thing I forgot to mention <laughs> on the intro, wasn't it? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, we met on LinkedIn and had a bit of a chat and you popped in and, uh, yeah, we've just kept in touch ever yeah. since, I think, haven't we? So, yeah, cool. So you you live um, between here and Ross, I think. Yeah, much moment, more cool. Yeah, yep. much more cool. Okay, yep. cool. But um, where are you from originally? I was born in Salisbury in Wiltshire. Okay. Uh, my family's still down there. My parents still there. Um, dad was a doctor in Devizes, um, and then I got okay. bundled off to school in Newbury to start off with, and then down in Bruton in Somerset. Okay. Um, so was yes. that a boarding school? It or? was. Yes, oh, right, okay. So I boarded from eight until <laughs> eighteen. Yeah. Um, and uh, I guess if you don't know any different, you don't know any different. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I suppose so, yeah. yeah. My prep school was not much fun, but my secondary school was, yeah, was superb. Really enjoyed it there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You, got that, a, you got the hang of the, the building. And... Well, you could get away with more at school than you could at home. That was the, that was the great <laughs> thing because, uh, yeah, it was uh, always good. And I made some great friends, and I'm still in touch with you know, a good number of them to this day, which is fabulous okay cool yeah. and what what were you into then when you were a kid what sort of uh kept you busy well there is a photograph of me about um 18 months old sitting in a little red racing car um and evidently i was quite obsessed by that and things that had wheels on them was my thing okay yeah. um and uh yes so yeah things mechanical i like taking things apart um i wasn't okay. very good at putting things back together again but i really did enjoy <laughs> taking things apart <laughs> Um, so yes, that's, yeah, it's always been uh, very practical, not very academic, yeah. but very much more on the sort of practical side of things. You know, give me something and I, I, I will try and fix it. Um, yeah. but, uh, yes, it's, uh, I'm not very good at sort of English, the reading, writing bit, but the, uh, arithmetic where, where there's a, where there's a logic to it or there's yeah. a, there's a, um, a, a definite answer at the end of it. I can do that. But when it's all a bit sort of up in the air, it's a, yeah bit more okay a bit more challenging okay so how did you sort of struggle at school and things in terms yeah, of yeah, having well, to I learn mean, academically yeah when i was at prep school um the whole concept of dyslexia was was you know either you had it or you didn't have it there was no right. no you didn't and you know it was it was very privileged to go to the school it's the feeder school for winchester and eton um, right, yeah. and i was there with a lot of very very bright kids mm-hmm. um and i wasn't a very bright kid um right. up against all the other Relative, people that yeah, were there. I was gonna say, yeah. um but then when i went off to bruton i suddenly discovered that i was at the top of the form um right. Yeah, I, I I really struggled with English. Um, you know, as soon as spell checking came out on computers and things like that, it's like, <laughs> yes, this is fantastic. But actually, it doesn't matter if you spell a word wrong; it doesn't actually matter. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, okay, if you're putting a presentation together, you want it all to all to be correct. And I, you know, I'm fortunate to have people that I can run things past and get them to read through it, make sure it's <laughs> not just not just the English is okay, but yeah, it makes sense as well. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's kind of you learn to adapt to it and and deal with it knowing where your weak spots are and uh yeah and i mean now there are so many things that can help with um you know text messages that you, you can see where the words i i can see when a word is is, is wrong mm-hmm. um but even to this day i will still spell certain words if i sit down and just type them out or write them out um i always get the u and the i around the wrong way in business yeah. So, yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And the amount of times I write the word business is is crazy. So it's, <laughs> yeah, and, and it's just this. There's this mental thing, but 
numbers, it's a completely different ball game. I okay. can sit down with numbers and give me a spreadsheet and I can, you know, and it, because it's all logic. Yeah, right. Um, okay. And I've got, okay. yeah, I've got quite a mechanical analytical mind um, rather than a sort of academic writing prose and things like that. I leave my brother to do that sort of stuff. <laughs> okay. My brother's got three degrees. So uh, yeah. It's, right. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So together. Yeah. He you got the brains. I got the uh, common sense bit, I think. So. <laughs> <laughs> I won't tell him you said that. No. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Okay. So, uh, so where, where did that sort of drive you to at the end of school then? What were, what were well, you I left school, looking at doing? Um, yeah. I left school with, gosh, I think I had, uh, 12 or 13 O levels and we were the first year to do the GCSE um, mm -hmm. which we did in two um, did it in French and classical civilization um, so there was some coursework and bits and pieces things like that went into A levels and uh, yeah I did really well in my A levels I got none um, <laughs> uh, uh, I did uh, French and classics again um, and the problem is you could only do the subjects that fitted into the timetable. And mm -hmm. French was my big thing. I, I, I'm a big Francophile. I love spending time in France. Spent a lot of time in France. Okay. Um, I've got a lot of friends in France. And back then I spoke reasonably good French. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I got 98% of my French oral, well. uh, but still managed to get an N at the end of it. <laughs> really? Yeah. So, yeah, there was literature, French literature as well. And I, yeah. Things like, uh, what do we have, Le Cid, and uh, we had something, and I just uh, couldn't see, couldn't see any point in reading French literature. Give me a copy of Paris Match, or give me a copy of, you know, VSD or something like that to read, and uh, I, I, I could do that, and that was like, oh, this is current affairs and things like that, and so, yeah, my, my best friend at school, a guy called Henry, who sadly got killed in a motorcycle accident not that long ago, um, yeah. We just, yeah, we both failed our A-levels monumentally, um, mm. but we, we were both in the French classes. And so, yes, we, um, we used to get, at school we were allowed to get um, one, one French magazine um, delivered to us as part of being a French A-level student. So we got Paris okay. Match, which was right. fantastic because you got the occasional good-looking lady in there, but they always <laughs> covered the uh, Paris-Dakar rally really well. So uh, okay. uh, we got right. all the photographs of that. And, uh, yes, we actually did a project together. Um, it was part of the A-level. Um, it, it wasn't part of the, the finished exam, but it was part of what we had to do. It wasn't really coursework, but it was a project that we had to do as part of it. So we had to right, do it okay. in French with pictures, and, and we did a whole thing on the Paris-Dakar rally with the uh, – my friend Henry doing various different voices and sounds and uh, right. yeah, we had lots, lots of fun, but uh, yeah, we didn't, we didn't work very hard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and in classical civilization, we had a whole load of cat. Well, the, I, we were studying Homer who, you know, wrote the Od Odyssey yeah. and the Iliad and he's known as an ancient commentator. So right. we then had to create another ancient commentator, Murius Walkerus, who, uh, <laughs> and, and Henry and I would just sit in fits of laughter and we oh, just very, very badly behaved. <laughs> um, but uh, yes. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah. so you, uh, so after that, then you, you came out kind of. Yeah, quite... I left school and I just thought, I don't really know what to do. Yeah. Um, and I remember friends my parents were over um for dinner one night and uh he was i think he was one of the directors of house of fraser and he said well have you thought about retail and i said well no not really and so we had a chat about it i went up to uh, his offices in oxford street and we had a had a chat and he said well you know if you want to get involved in this i wouldn't recommend the house of fraser management training course right. go to john lewis so i right. applied for the john lewis course i got offered two places one at peter jones in sloan square and one at brent cross and i i went for the brent cross option because living in sloan square or anywhere near central london was just completely out of the question it was going to be too expensive yeah and we had some friends who lived in essex so i could drive from essex buckhurst hill round the top of the um either but north circular or m25 and get into work from there and mm -hmm. Yeah, so I worked at John Lewis um, in Brent Cross, which, yeah, that was an eye-opener. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I, I did the first part of the management training course. I, I really didn't enjoy it at all. And to sort of add insult to injury, a lot of my friends who I was at school with had either gone on to university or they'd taken a gap year or 
they were going. I mean, Henry had gone back to uh, retake his A levels, so I'd see <laughs> them at weekends, and they weren't yeah. working, and they're having a great time. And I, there was me <laughs> working. So I'm really not enjoying this, um, and I didn't enjoy living in London. Um, right. And it, yeah, it just got to the point where I thought, yeah, I, I, I want to see if I can get a transfer. So I got transferred down to Bristol when John Lewis was in Broadmead in that beautiful Art Deco building. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I finished off the management training course there, but just, yeah, to say I didn't enjoy it is an understatement. <laughs> so I ended up, um, ended up having a very similar sort of talk with myself as to, you know, what do I really want to do? Where do I want to go? Um, which is the conversation I had with myself during the you know, first lockdown back in March. Um, yeah. And yeah, I wanted to get involved in cars. That was my passion, but I had no qualifications, had nothing at all. Mm -hmm. So um, another family friend had a contact, a very good friend of his, who was based up at Silverstone. Um, and uh, they said, yeah, go up and meet him and see what he thinks. Yeah. So, I turned up shirt, tie, suit, you know, going for a job interview, <laughs> turned up and yeah, I, yeah, I was, uh, yeah, suitably overdressed, I think was the, <laughs> the, the right expression turned <laughs> up and it was like, yeah, this is heaven. Um, yeah. and Spike, Spike Anderson, Samurai conversions, um, who were incredibly famous for building some of the fastest Datsun 240Zs on the planet. And they're still out there. Big Sam is still was it came up for auction not so long ago um and uh i basically said to him yeah i'd love to work here and learn and do this that and the other and if i can earn some money at the same time that would be great and i think i think i got a hundred pounds a month i think that that's a yeah. hundred pounds a month hundred pounds i can't remember it was <laughs> it was a token gesture payment right, because okay. i wanted to wanted to do this yeah yeah and it was amazing it was absolutely yeah. fantastic spike was he was mr cylinder heads at silverstone if anyone right. had a problem with a cylinder head so we had but we had touring car heads come in there we had formula three heads eddie jordan would turn up well he wouldn't turn up with the cylinder heads but he'd pop in and say you know we have a problem with this that and the other yeah. on sports cars um <laughs> And Spike was, it was fascinating. He was actually, he trained at St. Martin's as, as a sculptor. Right. Okay. So he did, he, mechanical engineering was not his thing at all, <laughs> but he could look at it and feel it and you go, yeah, that's going to be quick. That's going to work really well. Right. Okay. Um, and yeah, it was, it was Interesting. that, that old guard of, we had another guy who worked there, uh, John, who, who was at Tickford's when Tickford's were very involved with, um, with, with motor racing. Um, mm. And we just had brilliant, we had three brilliant engineers working there. And I learned more in that short period of time I was there than I think anyone could have learned because it was totally hands-on. Right. Um, okay. And then the, that, what they say, the, we sort of went not into recession, but things got tough and I was first in. So sadly, you know, last in, first out, sadly. Yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah. so I went back to college okay, um, and did mechanical engineering at college, which having been in an environment where everything is ultra high tech back then ultra high tech uh we you know pistons and things like that we had made specifically for us to our specification yeah um and then going into college and <laughs> everything was a bit more yeah if you can't use a hammer and a screwdriver to fix it you know something's wrong <laughs> um so that was uh that was quite quite difficult and I, I, yeah. I, I found it a bit tedious it was a bit like going back to school and I yeah. wanted to learn but I wanted to learn I wanted to build on what I'd learned at Silverstone and, and you know, we were I learned all about you know compression ratios and how engines worked it was very very much based on the engine side of things and then chassis work as well and suspension and brakes and doing you know mm. doing clever things to make things stop and go around corners faster um and then I went off to college and it was, you know, this is how a brake works. We're like, yeah, I know how that works and I know how this works. And I know how that works. Yeah, but, yeah. And it's like, I wanted to sort of accelerate it forwards yeah, and that yeah. didn't really happen. So you'd kind of, yeah, like you say, you'd, you'd had that practical experience, which sounds like it's a much well, better a way for you to learn. When, so part of the, part of the course was we, we're going to build a kit car. Yeah. Um, and it looked a bit like a Westfield or a Caterham Super 7. It looked that sort of yeah. thing. And it was based on, I think it was a Cortina chassis or something like that. We, we had this old Cortina sitting there that we could <laughs> use as a donor. And we stripped the engine out of this Cortina, 
And they said, right, well, we'll put it back together again. I said, well, where are all the new gaskets and where, you know, it needs this, that, and like, oh, no, no, you're just going to put it back together again. I said, well, it won't work. Yeah, but it's not that it's not that it, it doesn't have to work. You just got to experience putting it back together again. I thought this is just a totally pointless <laughs> exercise. Now, there's a perfectly good engine there with a few bits and pieces. We'll get it up and running. It'd be great. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I re- it, was, it was almost a case of going through the motion to get a piece of paper. And I just right, thought, this is, okay. this is not okay. really my bag at all. Okay. Did um, you get the piece of paper? No. No. <laughs> okay. No. Why do you leave? Because you I left, left before the end of the course. Right, I've got okay. a piece of paper that says all the modules that I completed and I can probably go back in. Yeah. yeah. But it, it was, it wasn't specialist enough. It was far too broad. Yeah. And the guy who ran the course was very into um, electronics and, and which obviously, you know, is where we are now with mechanical engineering, you know, in cars, there's an awful lot of electronics in there. Yeah. Whereas I, I, I like to see what's going on. I like to see mm-hmm. that, you know, something opens and, clo- and how it opens and closes and yeah, electronics and that sort of things at that point weren't of really any interest to mm-hmm. me and I didn't really get it. Um, subsequently, you know, I've learned a lot more about electronics, engine management systems, fuel injection systems. I mean, turning the clock back to then it was, you know, electronic fuel injection systems were out there and they, they, they were available, um, and mainstream cars were running them, but the cars that I was working on and, and playing with everything was mechanical on carburetors. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So um, you, you finished up with college, you, you left. Um, what did you head for next? Yeah, um, I was approached by um, someone who I knew who had just secured the distribution rights for a German oils and additive manufacturer, and um, they wanted to they wanted someone who had mechanical knowledge to come on board because mm-hmm. they had a lot of experience in marketing and the and the motor trade and things like that. But mm-hmm. it was they needed someone who could actually explain how this worked in practical terms okay so i joined a company called liquid molly uk limited that was the uk distributor for these german oils and additives and sort of workshop consumables um and yeah i worked with them for goodness me a couple of years i think it was because i was pre-startup getting everything into place before Mm -hmm. they launched then the launch and training and i I supported the sales team on the technical stuff. So it was me that got wheeled in when there was something unusual or we were trying to do something. We sponsored the British Hill Climb Championships, which um, it's, it, it, it's proper old school gentleman motor racing. You know, someone had (laughs) a bit that was broken and someone had a part that they could, and it it was lovely. It was was how (laughs) motor racing should be. Um, Massive budgets, formula one powered um, cars running through a formula three gearbox, which, presented a whole load of problems in itself mm. um and we tried to solve those problems and using some of the um additive packs that some, some of the additives that um that liquid molly manufactured we could actually make some of the components last longer um and these are expensive pieces of kit mm. um so yeah it was it was really tr- and seeing how the product worked in practical terms it was like yeah i was astonished it was you know yeah. th- this stuff really does work <laughs> Um, and then I, I learned, I did a lot of training. I was out in Germany. I did three days out in Germany and then took the sales team out in, out to Germany and did three days with them as well. So I learned an awful lot whilst I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately the business wasn't funded properly right. and ran out of money. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I was then approached by a company that supplied everything to a tire shop except for the tires. So balance weights, valves, repair okay. materials everything that you need in a tire shop to be able to sell tires okay. um, and, re- and repair them and all of that side of things. Um, but then they wanted to diversify into other, uh, other products that they could sell into their existing market. Um, so I said, you know, I've been working for this company. It's, 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 it's gone horribly wrong. Um, I don't know whether there's an opportunity there. And they said, well, whether there is or isn't, we want someone much more technical to come on board. So I joined them as technical sales manager. When you said uh, when you said you were approached by them, and you said that before as well, you were approached by um, the, the previous yeah. oils company. How how did they find you? Because like <laughs> the... I had this thing when I was at uni, I thought 
oh yeah, I'll get headhunted, I'll get a job, it'll be fine. Yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> like Sarah, I was headhunted How do people get appro- just approached uh, by... Uh... The guy, so one was a, a, a friend of mine's, yeah, I, I knew him beforehand. Okay. Um, the guy's up in... The guys up in Lancashire was, yeah, it was a bit of a bizarre story. Um, it was, gosh, I can't remember exactly how we met, <laughs> but we started talking about, um, I can't remember exactly. You know, I, it's kind of basically contacts that you, you'd met yeah, through, in through, previous through stuff networks and, of people, but the, I yeah, mean, yeah. the internet was still relative... Uh, wasn't early days the internet was out there and uh, but nothing like it is now and mobile phone technology and things like that were you know nothing like they are now yeah and this is 90 when was it yeah i was up there 97 okay yeah so yeah um and yeah it was i can't remember how we actually met up but there was very much this connection that they were they didn't really, they didn't sell, they, they, they sold their tar repair materials through a sort of technical sale, but mm. they didn't have anyone who knew anything apart from tires. Tires was their thing. Right, okay. And well, we had all these conversations, you know, you've got a van sales team that can go out there and they're knocking doors on tire shops, but a lot of these tire shops are part of a service uh, yeah, you know, right, they're, okay. they're, they're doing servicing they're doing mot's they're doing this they're not just doing tires mm-hmm. so how can we add value to what what is currently out there so people turn up there and yes they'll buy the the, the tubeless valves and they'll buy the balance weights so, oh yeah well you know we sell fuel injection cleaner or we sell you know okay, workshop yeah, sprays yeah. or whatever brake cleaner yeah. um and yeah so it was the problem was that because of my role with them, I was doing a lot of training. I was teaching people how to repair tires, mm-hmm. um, which isn't just a case of taking the inner tube out and putting a sticky <laughs> bit on it. Oh, well. uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, and it, I really enjoyed the um, heavy goods vehicle stuff and then going on to Earth Mover and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would go out and teach people how to repair an Earth Mover tire. Right, okay. Um, and where you actually get inside it. Um, oh, right. and you know, they're huge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I nearly, I nearly lost a finger. Um, <laughs> yeah, your tungsten carbide cutting, um, die cutters, die grinders. Um, yeah. and, uh, the, the wheel wasn't properly chopped and I leant forward and the whole wheel with me inside it, with me actually cutting the hole out, yeah. uh, all went, and I ended up doing a, doing a sort of somersault in this. This is in Belgium. Um, <laughs> And um, there was, was a lot like of blood down everywhere. the hill while you're inside. A... Well, no, it was on a flat surface. It was in a workshop. Yeah. And it was just that I leant forward and the chocks weren't big enough for it. It just went straight over the top <gasps> of the chock and I went with it. And yeah, there was lots of blood everywhere. And I ended up in this um, really lovely little doctor's surgery. Um, <laughs> and the guy was basically said, Yeah, we can see the bones. So it's quite deep and glued it all up and put some bandages <laughs> on it. And that was that and uh yeah so yeah i've still got the scar to this day right wow. away so i mean how it didn't just take that straight off I've, luck in the following week. yeah yeah it's and it's a- presumably it's like you're inside this thing and it's dark and you don't know what's no, you've going got on lights and you can see what's going on and there's a great big hole in front of you yeah there. but i mean you're inside a tire like, yes you are inside a tire. Yeah, you, yeah you can see but you're like yeah. just rolling going well yeah I mean, I, I, yeah it didn't roll very far but far enough for it for me to end up yeah with a yeah so yeah that sounds a bit hairy i've been been inside um like fuel tanks in aircraft you know in the wings which is pretty tight but um inside a tire sounds very tight it's got to be a big tire um (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. it was so if you see these um you know the big dump trucks yeah yeah uh, the tires like sort of i don't know yeah two or three meters high sort of thing yeah so it was it was one of those tires yeah so yeah (laughs) um and it it wasn't even it we were doing training it wasn't even a you know we're going to repair this so it can go back on a vehicle it had lots of holes in it so yeah this this isn't the first time this is not how you do it yeah but i loved it i mean again it was practical it was getting my hands dirty it was you know getting in there and learning how to do something um, that i didn't know how to do before and so i was doing a lot of training with them but the problem was that i didn't have enough time to concentrate on because we we did a deal with look molly and said look you know 
we'll buy all the UK stock mm. and and see if we can see if we can sell it. Yeah. Um, and again, it was well, it, it was a couple of things. The the guys that owned the business um, had a falling out, and there was quite it, it all became a bit toxic. Um, and I was approached by the company that did our graphic design work, who are printers. Right. And um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I could see that I wasn't going to be staying at the tire people for much longer. And mm. the guy who owned the graphic designer said, you know, you can start with us on Monday. Right. Not quite sure what you're going to be doing, but, you know, <laughs> we'll find something for you to do. So just like just liked you presumably and saw that well, we talked were... the same language we're still great friends now he, yeah. he came down um yeah he came down in the summer um when we were allowed to sort of like move around a bit um he came down and spent a few days in herefordshire and uh, once things calmed down i'll go up and see him back up in lancashire but yeah, yeah. he knew that i understood um i knew how to drive quark express i knew how to drive photoshop i knew how to yeah. basics around that um yeah. And yeah, it was, it, we ended up actually setting up a sort of sub part of the business that was just to do digital work. Uh -huh. So we did a lot of photography. We did a lot of conventional film photography, but I had a digital camera. Um, uh, okay. So this is where your photography so then we got, yeah, came then in. Then we yeah. got into doing some photography and then uh, okay. we did some filming. Um, we did a promotional video for the combined blue light services, so fire, uh, ambulance, and it wasn't, police weren't involved in it, just fire and ambulance, because mm. they were selling training to the Middle East. Right, okay. Um, they discovered oil, and it was like, we need to learn how to put fires out and things like that, and someone just <laughs> happened to be at the right place at the right time, and uh, all these guys from Katai would come over and, and be trained, and they wanted yeah. to put a video together, to say right. this is what we train people to do. Okay. But I'd never yeah. shot a video in my life. Yeah. I had no idea what I was doing, but I did get a ride in the Lancashire Air Ambulance, which was quite fun. Nice. Um, with one of those gyroscope um things with a camera on it. Oh, okay. Yeah, which yeah. Is, like a gimbal. Yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, but it was it was basically just a gyroscope, so yeah, we hold it yeah. steady. Right. Whereas when the helicopter went left, it stayed in one place and couldn't <laughs> move with it, but it kept it really steady. Um yeah. And yeah, that was an yeah, amazing experience. And I just shot loads and loads of stuff and then sat down with Premiere, I think it would have been, to stick it all together. Yeah. Um, and I think we left it for a whole weekend to render. <laughs> and it was just about done, I think, on the Monday morning. Um, but we did, yeah, we, we did some really, really crazy, really interesting, really fun stuff. Yeah. Um, and got some really great customers. Um, and yeah, just did some unusual stuff. We did a lot of work for Mighty, um, the civil engineering company. Okay. Um, and they were doing a all the different disciplines. They wanted to get them all under one roof. So where better to do that than the Baker Street set at Granada Studios in Manchester? Mm. So I said, wouldn't it be fun if we shot the opening sequence of Coronation Street, which is at the end of the, the studios, yeah with all the mighty vans driving through it. <laughs> and I said, I can shoot that in the morning when all the vans turn up and they're unloading everything. And, and then I'll, I'll stick it all together and then we'll put it up on this big screen that was there in the evening. Well, what I didn't realize was well, it's going to take about six hours to render. Because <laughs> <laughs> Macs weren't as powerful then as they are no, now. No, no. And we, yeah, we, we got it stuck together and got it there just in time to do this before they opened this, what they called a French market. Um, and yeah, so we, we had the opening sequence <laughs> with the music, with everything, with all these vans driving down it. Um, yeah, it was, it was great. It was, it was, it was it's, really good fun. It work. sounds like a little bit like kind of the way I, where I've sort of come from and I've come from a technical background in engineering into a creative world. Mm. And it sounds like you kind of are the same thing that I, I, I sort of think about a lot, which is like how much I'm enjoying being creative and coming up with all these ideas. And did you ever think about that sort of uh, technical to creative transition or, um, or was it, did it just happen? I think it just happened really. It just, I seemed to sort of be in the right place at the right time. But yeah, I'm a great believer with in, if you can find something that you really enjoy doing work-wise, 
mm. it's it it, it it then doesn't become work yeah you, you'd be doing what you know what you do dan you're, you're passionate about it you love mm. what you do and you know to get up and you know, there will be days when you don't feel quite you know yeah smiley course, happy yeah, because yeah. that's life <laughs> but you know to be able to walk into your studio set up shots and 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 yeah um i it it, it is it's if you're passionate about something and you can turn that into a means of earning money, mm. uh, I think that that's one of the secrets um, mm. that you know that people need to know. Because um, there are so many people who are miserable at work, and we spend so much time yeah. at work. I know. Um, yeah. And uh, it's yeah, it's been it's yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's very true. Um, uh, and I, I mean, I I kind of had this thing previously where I didn't think I was creative like because i was in engineering and it was very dry what i was doing you know fatigue and damage tolerance analysis for most of the time <laughs> lucky you <laughs> yeah yeah and uh you know i just kind of thought didn't really consider myself to be creative but then you kind of come out and realize actually everyone's creative everyone's got something that they yeah, can I, come I up with every- if you allow yourself to that's the secret that's the, that's the trick is actually being able to it's time. It's being able to sit there and go, what did it, what, what do I enjoy doing? What, what makes me tick? And then having a go at it, mm. you know, it's, uh, I wouldn't say, yes, I've done lots of photography in my time. I've done lots of tabletop work. I've done lots of buildings. I've done lots of things like that. I wouldn't call myself a photographer by mm. any stretch of the imagination. Right. Um, but I enjoyed doing it, but I enjoyed the whole, you know, let's set, set up a set. Um, mm-hmm skipping forward a few jobs um we used to shoot uh the catalog every year and what started off as a sort of one day photo shoot ended up as a week um and we got more and more adventurous as time went on (laughs) yeah um and we created some really cool stuff yeah um because in the in in that sector of the clothing market everything is very very samey so you've got to create some way of being a bit different to other people mm-hmm. and and i've never been afraid of doing that i've never, never been mm-hmm. afraid of putting my head above the parapet and going woo hello <laughs> um sometimes you get shot and sometimes you know you get away with it um <laughs> but yeah it's uh, gosh i i turned 50 this year and it's it it's it's been it's it's been a, an unusual year and these conversations yeah I've, I've had lots of conversations with people this year about giving them almost a bit of coaching where you know they're, they're not feeling great they're and you start talking to them and you find out that actually they're really passionate about this mm. and this year people have had the opportunity you know lots of people have been put on furlough lots of people have lost their jobs mm. so they've had an opportunity to go actually i'm gonna have a go at this or i'm gonna try this or yeah, you know, yeah. lots of people have ended up doing you know gardening that have never done gardening before and they found yeah. it really enjoyable it's like oh this is something i've never done before <laughs> um lots of people have been out in the outdoors and more people have been out walking and getting fresh air and it's like oh you know this is quite fun when the top of penny fan at one stage looked like a you know it was there's so many people up there it was crazy but it's people not being afraid to have a go at something and finding Mm. out whether you enjoy it or not whether you're any good at it Mm. um because yeah in life we the only way that we learn is by making mistakes yeah so it's you know, it's, it, it is, it's, it's taking that plunge and finding out what, what are you passionate about? What, what do you enjoy doing? Um, mm. you know, what, what makes you tick? Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's interesting, isn't it? Like that's kind of a byproduct of what's happened this year that people have reflected and yeah gone. yeah i mean a few people have said to me you know, how's your year been? And I said, it's been fantastic. I've had a really, really great year. I mean, I, yeah. I've, I've, earned less money this year than i can remember um <laughs> i have my contract with the client that i was working for cancelled at the beginning of the first lockdown and then just sort of muddled through on you know help from friends and family and a bit of universal credit in there just to keep the wolf from the door and it but it's been yeah. tough yeah but that's that's secondary that's the, that that's the, the money bit but i've had time to reflect i've been able to sit there and go right okay what do i want to do mm. and, what makes me tick and again it's not yes i need enough money to come in and pay the you know pay the rent and the bills and put food on the table and all of those things 
but is it all about money? Is it all about, you know, how it, I, I like a challenge. I, you know, mm-hmm. I do like a challenge. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it's been, yeah, I had a couple of projects. We, I was given a quad bike, um, by a friend of mine <laughs> that was very broken. I had no chain and, uh, the engine wouldn't start and it was in a really bad way. Yeah. And I've got a six year old son and I knew I wasn't going to see him for his birthday this year cause it was right. in May. Yeah. Um, he moved to Northern Ireland in February and I didn't see him for six months. Oh, wow. And so chatting to my pal who gave me the, this, this quad bike and, and he said, well, yeah, yeah, you like engines and things like that. So you can get it going. It was like, right, like, like, like a challenge. So <laughs> that was my sort of lockdown challenge that the first lockdown was to get this thing up and running and right, all sorted okay. out and it's all up and running. So when he, yeah. when my son came over and first he was like, oh, I can have a go on the quad bike. Uh, yeah, but it was so, excited about yeah. that. <laughs> it's great fun as a grown-up. It's a 90cc yeah. Honda, a little kid's one, but hilarious. Nice, yeah. nice. So, but again, I wouldn't have had the time to, I would have done it over a number of weekends, mm. but I was able to go and write, okay, well, I've got, there's nothing else going on, so I can just get stuck into that and, and do it. Um, yeah, yeah. It's interesting when you say about, you know, you've, it, it, you've had a great time and one of the best, kind of years in terms of reflecting and everything but yet you know you had the least amount of money because uh, I, yeah, I, I mean that... that that has been tough that's been yeah. it has been tough um because it just has i mean i, I i'm fortunate because i've got a reasonably big garden a reasonably big vegetable patch mm. and my partner and i have been yeah living on fantastically healthy home home grown <laughs> yeah. veg but uh, that doesn't put fuel in the car and it doesn't pay the road tax yeah, and yeah, you know, yeah. all of those things and the mobile phone bill and the beat and the broadband and all, all the other things that you know that, that we need yeah. um but yes i mean at the end of the day keeping oneself you know in the right frame of mind and in that it's not always you're not always in that happy place but in that sort of balanced not too happy not too sad just you know yeah mm. nice balances yeah and i've got into meditation and that's been great right, and yeah. uh it's yeah it, i've just a complete mind change psychic mm. change or whatever one wants to call it um yeah and, so it com- uh, has it been like because you said you turned 50 as well has that been a combination of kind of well i was quite impressed that i got to lockdown. 50 um <laughs> It's oh, it's all been... the motor racing. No, no, no. Just uh, <laughs> I, I used to be a, I used to be a bit of a party animal, and I am no longer a party animal. I like to go to parties, but I don't party like I used to. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, yeah, I, I always used to fly a bit close to the, uh, sail a bit close to the wind, or fly a bit close to the sun, or whatever you like to call it. But yeah, those have all changed, um, and. Yeah, getting to 50, it was strange because it was just another day. Um, But I think the sort of the psychological bit of it was, I mean, I look at friends and family who are 50 or older and, you know, they're in a very different situation to me. And I don't have, you know, I, I don't own a house. I don't have massive savings. I don't have a huge pension. I don't have this, that and the other. But actually what I do have is probably more valuable than that. Mm. Um, and yeah. That's, that sounds like a good place to be. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been great. Because it, 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 the one thing that people don't tend to have is time. Yeah. And the one thing that we were all given this year was masses of time. Because yeah. you know, I wasn't working and yeah, trying to find a job in the middle of lockdown. And, you know, for the last mm. few months is, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Tough. Yeah. Um, okay. Going back to your kind of uh, you My know career. story and yes. um, where we where we got. To, I'm not not quite sure where we got to, but well, we anyway. To, yeah, we got to. So I was living up in Lancashire, and um, it got to the point where we weren't we weren't terribly happy up there. We were a long way from our families. Um, I was married to my first wife. And we had our daughter there and what well, daughter with us. She was born in Wiltshire, but uh, she was up there and uh, mm. yeah, just, we looked at ways, how could we move back down South? And, um, we had actually bought a house up there and house prices were just starting to go up again. 
and my wife at the time got a copy of the lady magazine right and there was a job available it was a housekeeper's job that came with a house <laughs> so she had to do i think it was two or three days a week cooking and cleaning for this lovely retired couple yeah. um down in porlock in somerset which right. is beautiful right on the edge of exmoor it's uh, well it's in it it's on exmoor but right by the sea and um so we went down to drove from lancashire down to have a look at this place and lovely three-bedroom house that came with the job and it was like, well, this makes complete sense. We'll sell up, we'll clear all of our debts, and we'll just start afresh down in Somerset, um, not really knowing where to go from there. Um, and yeah, that was, yeah, that was that that was, it was a big move. Um, again, one of these things that we made the decision we're gonna just go with it. Um, mm. And yeah, it was it was it was nice to be again in the south of England. Not that I've got any problem with the north of England at all. You know, <laughs> father was born in Lancashire and my mother was born in Yorkshire. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, War of the Roses at home. But, um, yeah, it was just nice to get back down because we were nearer our, our, our families. Yeah, sure. sure. Um, and it was, a, it was a great spot. Um, I think Terry Wogan described Borlock as a bunch of alcoholics clinging onto the side of a very steep hill with a sweet smell of freshly ground coffee and burnt brake discs in the background and that was quite a good description of Porlock actually it was uh, uh, I think there were four or five pubs and a permanent population of you know, low thousands <laughs> and they all kept running really really well um, and yeah it was it was good there but you know I had to get a job and um, I, I did some photography down there for a short period of time yeah and uh, that was it was good fun doing that but it wasn't it wasn't the sort of means of moving forwards um and i had a friend who was who ran a recruitment company and he said he was doing some work for clean away right. the waste disposal people and he said you know i've i've got a sort of short term contract it'd be working on their um domestic and some commercial side of things uh, basically they they want to get all the contracts up and together and get everything ready because they're looking at selling but no one knows that they're looking at selling right okay. um so i worked with them for a bit and the contract was coming to the end and he, he had been he'd been approached by um no he wasn't he was on a course with someone from this clothing company who are based in trowbridge and they started talking and he said i've got someone who i think would be really interesting for you to meet um so i went up to trowbridge and had my first sort of informal chat with them it wasn't mm. really an interview mm -hmm. and we got on really well um and they said you know the roles we're looking for a business development manager and they didn't really know what a business development manager was <laughs> yeah. um they were doing about six and a half seven million turnover they had no one out there selling at all except for the lady who set the business up in the first right. place okay um and yeah, I ended up, I think I had five interviews for that role. Right. Because, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, various people that wanted to interview me were out when I'd been in, and I'd have to come back in. Um, and, yeah, so I landed this job as a business development manager for a company called Blue Max who sold um, polo shirts, sweatshirts, T-shirts, uh, a little bit of high-vis mm -hmm. into the embroiderers and printers of this world, screen printers okay. and embroiderers. Right. Um I knew nothing about embroidery. I knew nothing <laughs> about clothing. Well, I knew what clothing was, but I didn't. But again, it was one of these situations where these guys, they, they had a great range of products. The price was right. The quality was right. I'm going to go out and talk to their customers and find out what we can do to help those customers grow, mm -hmm. um, which has always been my philosophy. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't matter what the product is can this person sell it and can they make money by selling it and how can I help them promote that product to sell it? Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. We did a little bit of primary school, school uniform, so polo shirts going into schools, but we weren't really seen as a schoolwear company. Mm -hmm. um, and in the 10 years that I was with them, we did a couple of acquisitions and took the business up to just shy of 30 million turnover when I left. Wow. Um, family run business, uh, amazing learning experience. Absolutely yeah. amazing learning experience. Yeah, um, yeah. Tell it, us a bit more about that. What 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 makes was, you say that? <laughs> uh, joining a company that was doing 
everything manually when I joined. Right. Okay. Uh, they were processing all of their orders on a on a spreadsheet. Um, yeah. They had a Sage Line Fifty, I think, in the background. Um, what are we sort of twenty ten ish or something? Are we or early? this was yeah uh, twenty no. 2005 okay yeah 2005 uh, yeah. i joined them um and it wasn't because they didn't they just really they'd built the business by knocking on doors and saying this is a great product um and it was a great product and they you know they did a very good job by looking after their customers they received orders they get an order on the monday the picket monday afternoon It'd be in a container and then it'd be out for delivery the next day. Yeah. Um, but it was very, very manual. Mm -hmm. um, they they knew what they sold in total at SKU level at in, in total, but they didn't really know which customers were buying which products. So right, one okay. of the first things I did was <laughs> sit down with their FD, great guy, um, and it was like we taught the same language. And I said, right, can we interrogate the Sage database to find out what's, you know, what products are being bought by which people. And it's like, yeah, we, we can, we can do this and we can create reports for each customer. And, um, I remember sitting down I and mean, bearing in mind the couple that owned the business were in their late seventies, I guess at that mm. point. And I showed them this printout I said, you know, here's ABC embroidery company. And you know, th this is what they bought last year. And this is what they bought this year. And this, and it was like, I was showing, like, that's <laughs> fantastic. That's brilliant. <laughs> And, um, so yeah, so it was, it was the second year I was there, I think I did 50, 50 something thousand miles. I was doing a, on average a thousand miles a week. Wow. And I just went out and saw every single one of their customers that yeah. was doing more than a thousand pounds a year turnover. Right. And, and just said, you know, what, what do you want us to do? Not just product, but mm. how else can we help? So we started bringing it Well, they, they did a, a blank brochure and then we developed that further we did overprints on their brochures um then we created a generic website that they could top and tail themselves we gave them lots and lots of images basically if we could help them promote our products they would make money and mm -hmm. we would make money and, mm -hmm. and we worked really closely together and it was it was good it was really good um, yeah yeah the dynamic of the business changed slightly that after the first acquisition we were we bought our way into the schoolwear industry we bought uh, a company up in um, Nottingham that sold blazers and trousers and shirts and right, yeah. things like that. And um, so we had to we had to change as a business. And we we were the expression wasn't used then, but we were disruptive. We were very mm. disruptive. Everybody right. turned, oh, you can't do that, and you can't do this, <laughs> and we did it because yeah. if anyone told us you couldn't do it, we would make sure we could. Um, and it was great. It was really really good. Then with second acquisition, we more than doubled in size. The second acquisition. But again, it was very interesting because we bought a company called Banner Bo Brummel, who my blazers for my prep school came from them. So, they, you know, they've been around since God was a boy. And they had <laughs> lots and lots and lots of fingers in different pies. They had a menswear division. They had a children's wear division. They had a um, christening division. They had this. <laughs> but all we were interested in was the, the schoolwear division. Yeah. So it was, I mean, I wasn't involved in all the, minutiae of it but seeing how one could take a business and just take the bits that we wanted yeah. sell everything else off um and it, yeah it was something i'd never experienced before and it was a really great learning experience to do that yeah yeah so yeah it was it, it was really good um and then we yeah we more than doubled in size overnight but what we had to make sure that by putting these businesses together wasn't was that we didn't then the next year halve in size because we'd upset quite a lot of people in the process. Okay. Um, yeah. Because we had an open door policy, whereas prior to that, it was very much, you had to be, you know, you had to qualify to be able to buy the products. Um, okay. So we had to do a lot of change and we did, and we did a lot of change and we were, we were very good at what we did and we had a great sales team. So I went from, so I joined as business development manager and I ended up as sales director. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it, it was a great learning experience and I, you know, I wouldn't change that, never change any, any of that. Um, you know, that I've, it's, it, it's, it's, it was an experience with the people that I was working with that was, I mean, the guy who was the MD was, 
uh, ex financial director of gosh, Polypack, I think it was back in the day. So yeah, he, um, he was a, an interesting character having worked with as, as deer. The, um, the, the thing that caught my attention then when you're saying all that about, you know, when you went first went in then is like going and actually asking people what they want and, you know, driving around the country to every yeah, single I customer. Mean, my, <laughs> yeah. My, my philosophy with them was ask the customer what they want and then we would try and deliver what they wanted. Yeah. Uh, there were other individuals who would tell the customers what they wanted, whether they liked it or not. Okay. Um, yeah. And a sort of blend of the two where, yeah, we developed products listening to customers, but they weren't aware that we could do things that were coming into the market. So, yeah, sure. So sure. things like soft everything. shell jackets, no one had heard of a soft shell jacket. Yeah. So we, they, we were being asked for a certain jacket, and then we went out and said, what about this? And actually in the market that we were in, it didn't really work because it was right. too expensive. Okay. Um, it, now the price has come down and, you know, many more yeah. people do do soft shell jackets. Um, so it was, but it was more having, having worked in the print and the photography and the graphic design and that side of things previously, yeah. I learned very quickly that any business owner wants to see how they can develop their business. Mm -hmm. And if their supplier can help them develop their business, it's a win-win both sides of the, of, of, of the coin. Mm -hmm. Um, so it, there was no sort of company strategy or anything like that. It was just a case of I'd come into a, come into an industry I knew nothing about. Mm. I needed to learn an awful lot very quickly. Yeah. And the best way to learn as much as I could was to talk to their customers Yeah, because then you found out everything and they would be much more candid with me than they would with the owners of the business. They'd tell me exactly what was going on. Whereas if one of the owners of the business, they'll tell them exactly what they want to hear because they, they don't want to upset the apple cart, but they'd yeah. say to me, you know, can this be changed? And we want to be able to do this. And can you do this? Right, and can you do okay, that? And yeah, we'd like yeah. to base yeah. um, and, and we developed very quickly and being, we had a very small management team. We were able to react. We would make decisions in an afternoon. They'd be implemented the next day. Mm. There was none of this sort of, you know, let's have nice. meeting after meeting after meeting yeah. after meeting. Um, and, and that's how we did really well. I mean, we did. We were the smallest, but before I joined them, they, you know, they started from nothing and, and grew and grew and grew and grew to a point where, yeah, when I left them, they were, yeah, just shy of 30 million. And I think they're doing, I think about 60 million turnover now. Wow. They've done some more acquisitions and they've grown the yeah, business yeah. and they've changed a lot, but, um, yeah, it was, it, it was a great cool. experience, really yeah, good experience. Yeah. yeah so, and it sounds like a sort of culmination of all things you'd done previously sort of all suddenly yeah, came together. Yeah, it and... was, it was, yeah, it, it, it was a way of pulling together a lot of my sort of skill set and experiences. Um, so yeah, with knowledge and experience, put those two together and see how I could deliver that mm. for this company. Um, mm. and I love spending time with people. I really mm. enjoy spending it and getting under the skin at, you know, what are you actually trying to do here and how yeah. can we help you do that? Yeah. Um, and, and also, you know, learning about, you know, I'd, I'd never, I'd never been on a board of directors. I'd never been, um, working for a business that was doing the, well, yeah, clean away. We've had a much higher turnover that, but the, the, the business that I was involved in and seeing it grow and being part of it and really, mm. you know, being immersed into it. And it was, I mean, the, the commercial director and I shared a house in the week and I'd be living up there and then drive back down to Somerset. And it, 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 yeah, it, it, was, yeah. it was the best way to ruin a marriage as well, because I was never <laughs> at home. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, unfortunately that's, that's what happens. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. And, uh, but I set up a, a Canadian distributor who ended up doing million pound turnover with them. Um, and went over to Canada actually, and uh, and did a load of work with them, um, getting that set up. And I, I got to experience a whole load of things that I would have never ever have experienced mm. if I hadn't done that job. And it's yeah. given me a huge sort of extra skill set, sort of super yeah. skill set. Um, you know, doing an acquisition, and I wasn't involved in the in the fine detail of the acquisition, but the basics of this, that, and the other. 
due diligence and uh, you know things that I, I I just wasn't familiar with. But mm. no one would if you hadn't been mm. put in that situation or you've learned yeah. about it. You know, you, you wouldn't be in that situation. So yeah, yeah. So yeah. when I left, um, when I left Blue Max, um, they the the family wanted to sell the business, and unfortunately, I think I was the sacrificial lamb. Um, <laughs> so uh, yes, uh, that was two thousand and. 15? Yeah, 2015. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And since then, I've sort of had that skill set and I've been working with various different companies who have wanted someone to come in and look at their sales, look at their marketing. You know, we, we want to penetrate the, the, the GB marketplace and mm-hmm. you know, how can we do this and how can we do that? And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's been really, really interesting. And again, lots of experiences and doing lots of things, but yeah. I never felt it, it never felt. I, I didn't have that passion. I, you know, I, I've got lots of friends in the in the clothing industry now, and lots of, particularly the schoolwear side of things, because we became hundred percent schoolwear yeah, by the time right. I left. Um, okay. And and that that was that was interesting, but I just yeah, I, the, the something had gone, the passion had gone, the and mm-hmm. uh, I was been working for well, I started to various different companies I'd done some work for. Um, but I was working as sort of acting sales director for a, a Northern Irish clothing manufacturer um, and uh, started with them last September. And they always say in the school industry, you, you need two or three years to have an overnight success. Right, yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, the, everything was moving in the right direction and then we had lockdown and uh it was uh yeah i mean COVID right. really hit it hit didn't hit the score industry as badly as it's hit the fashion industry and this mm-hmm. company in northern ireland are 80 percent fashion right okay. um and okay. no one's going to buy a suit no one's getting married no one's no. going to buy you know this no people are sitting yeah, home in the tracksuits pretty low for that stuff <laughs> and all the shops were closed so yeah. it made it much <laughs> yeah, more difficult yeah. um so it was a case of, yeah, um, yeah. I, I ca- contract was cancelled, but I stayed sort of holding their hand since since that point. Made sure mm. all the back to school orders came through, and I, I said to them, you know, I, I am going to be looking for something else. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, cool. But, and then we kind of come. Uh... Almost full circle. Full circle, yeah. <laughs> the most bizarre set of circumstances, coincidence. <laughs> I don't know what you... Someone said to me the other day, nothing happens by mistake in this world, and I completely believe that. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, so I was... I, I couldn't sleep one night. I was, I was trying not to worry about things, but I was worrying about things because I'm a human being, and, we, you know, we do worry about things. Definitely, yeah. And... Um, <laughs> I went downstairs, fired up the laptop, and I don't know why, but I went. I I followed this this company, this German company, Liquid Molly, for for many years, and I've used their products because I know that they work. Yeah. Um. So, my son's quad bike is all been taken apart and put back together with all of their chemicals and oils and this yeah. that and the other. Um, and I was looking on their website, and I don't know why, but I clicked on. They've got a careers button. Mm. on their one of their menus and i clicked on it and it said that they were recruiting for a area sales manager for the southwest of england and i thought hmm, <laughs> that's interesting um and again another really odd thing was that i was connected to the guy who is their export manager and i don't know why i'm connected to him because our paths have not crossed in the past right, yeah. there'd be no reason for us to be connected <laughs> um but we work it. So I sent him a note and I said, uh, you know, I'm not even sure whether where I live in Herefordshire is in the southwest of England. <laughs> and he said, well, yeah, it's right on the edge of this territory. And I said, well, I'm not sure whether I'd be suitable for the job, this, that and the other. And he said, well, apply, you know, give it a whirl. And they had they had a lot of applications, mm-hmm. a huge amount of yeah, applications. Yeah, sure. um, and I had a first interview. Um, and it's the first time I've ever applied for a job and I had no idea how much money it was going to pay me. Really? Because it didn't matter. You didn't even ask, yeah. I didn't even ask. Wow. And it wasn't... I knew that they had made the decision to run the UK out of Germany, which I've always thought is the best way to 
know, if you've got a manufacturer, the best way to run that market is to be running it yourselves mm. in conjunction with distributors there. But having the drive and the control from the from the manufacturer is really, really important. And I knew that they're, you know, they're doing some business, a reasonable amount of turnover. But I also knew from friends that I've got in the motor trade was that very few people had heard of their product. They'd seen it. They they really invested heavily in global marketing. So they've done a Formula One sponsorship deal. They've done a MotoGP mm -hmm. deal. They 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 run so the liquor molly oils are run in GP two and GP three. Um, that's all the oil that the way those series work is that you get a sealed engine that's right. delivered to you. It's, it's a bit of a lottery. <laughs> so it's yeah. So. I, the logo is out there if you're into motor racing. Yeah. Um, yeah. In Germany, they're doing huge, huge numbers because that's mm. their home market and they've got TV advertising and they've got uh, yeah. radio advertising. It's, uh, but in the UK, and I, I, I just thought, you know, it's a massive, it's a huge opportunity, huge, huge opportunity. And I love their products. Yeah. And I, 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 you know, I could absolutely hang my hat on every single one of their products. Um, so it ticks the passion box, it ticks the drive box, it ticks the you know what I'm interested box. It's got motor racing, it's got yeah. but it's also got it it's mechanical, it's you know, it, it's what yeah, I love. Yeah, yeah. Um so yeah, first interview got on really well with the guy who's their export manager. Um and then waited and waited <laughs> and waited, and I think it was two or three months two months i think it was from the first interview to the second interview or being told i got through to the second interview yeah. and as i understand i think there were 10 candidates that got through to the second interview right yeah um and this is all done on zoom yeah <laughs> which is a weird you know doing an interview in zoom because it's not like we're here and you know i you can pick up on you know, how people are talking and how they're feeling yeah, and things yeah. like that when you're in the same room as them and so they're in Germany, um, and in fact, they're in three different places in Germany, and I was in mm -hmm. England. We had this second interview, and I got off the interview, and I said to my partner, I, I, said, I said, I can't do any more than that. Mm. That's all I can do. Yep. I, I've given that my best shot. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I got, a, um, I got a, a message on WhatsApp from their export manager saying, have a look at your email. Right. Hey man, there it was. Yeah, hey. got the job. Cool. And uh, it's it's really weird. It's really weird. I get quite emotional about it because my mate Henry and I, who I told you about at school, yeah, he went on to be. He worked at Autosport. He was very well known in the motor racing world. He was one of the commentators at Goodwood, right. um, Festival okay. Speed, and the Revival. Right. And uh, tragically, he got killed three years ago in a motorcycle accident. Mm -hmm which absolutely floored me completely yeah. floored me yeah, yeah um and yeah he was my he was my sort of connection with the sort of motor racing world mm. and um going back into it it's yeah it's 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 brought i've, I've got back in touch with people that I haven't spoken to for a long time mm. and a few people um few people that i've met through henry or met after henry's died and it, it's it's just been so lovely the conversations i've been having with people yeah and you know one guy i was talking to the other day and yeah he, he's he's in my view is one of the gods of the engineering world and he said mm. you know if I, if I can help you know i'll, I'll help you um, you know you're, you're <laughs> with a great company i totally believe in their products I'm yeah. doing a little project. I've got a little Alpha Spider that I'm working on. I've been working on over, and I'm, it's got their all in. It's got the gearbox all in it. I've been yeah. using their carburetor cleaner. <laughs> yeah, it's like, wow, okay, yeah. <laughs> and uh, but it's something I love. I spent two and a half hours with some friends uh, north of Hereford the other day, and we were talking about the product range. And he's introduced me to some people that he thought would be interested, and. And, you know, it was work in inverted commas, but it didn't feel like work. I was talking yeah. about something that I, you know, I'm passionate about. I you know, love it. So, Perfect. yeah. Perfect. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a really bizarre state, uh, you know, set of circumstances that has sort of taken me 
from somewhere in the in the 90s full circle back back <laughs> to them again in yeah. 2020 but like so. you say perhaps there's no mistakes and uh well no i mean i don't yeah <laughs> I, I i think I, I i think everything does happen for a reason um yeah. and yeah sometimes things happen and you think that you know it is the end of the world but sometimes that that happening opens up a whole set of other mm. opportunities that you would have never ever had that's very true yeah um yeah. and you know i i if i hadn't had lost my job when i did and then had the last five years working as consultants and yeah it's been tough at times it's been really tough yeah um I I wouldn't have been in the position that I was when I applied for that job mm. um, to be able to apply for it, mm. um, and yeah, it's it, it it's bizarre. It's bizarre. It is. Yeah. Cool. Well, sounds like the beginning of a a, a new exciting phase. So uh, I another chapter. Wish you uh, wish you loads of luck with that. And yeah, thanks so much for coming in and, and having a chat um is it okay for people to kind of connect with you absolutely on LinkedIn yes yeah. And stuff? Connect, yeah connect with me on linkedin so yeah i all think right. i'm the only jeremy aston phillips on the planet so it's quite <laughs> easy to find me all right um, well, we'll put the link in just in case yeah yeah um <laughs> in, in but the yes notes, LinkedIn's yeah. the best place to connect up and yeah i mean i i love talking about you know anything mechanical and now i'm going to be doing that for a living it's uh yeah it opens up whole host of different things that we can uh, talk about with it doesn't matter whether it's a moped or it's a piece of agricultural equipment there's uh, i can always find something interesting yeah. to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> excellent all right cool well no thanks thanks again well, it's good absolute fun. pleasure dan absolute pleasure Great fun and um we'll see you again soon brilliant thanks okay. dan. You've been listening to the Thriving Three Counties podcast with me, Dan Barker. You can find links to all the episodes and show notes over at danbarkerstudios.com forward slash podcast. If you've enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes and leave us a review. It helps other people find the show and connect more people in the region. Thank you very much for your time listening. I hope you've enjoyed it and we'll see you next time.